guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo fraser it's time for a mojo injection episode 135 guys it's so nice to be here whoop whoop and this is the last one of this series and then we'll be coming back after a break and it will be all about self-love baby and i mean really just encouraging you and bring in a lot of mojo there and good chat and real chat. So I love to speak with fellow researchers and people that are really doing amazing things in the mental health field. And, you know, I still get a lot of messages that the waiting lists are crazy. And, you know, I spoke about this last week, but I really, really admire people who have a story around mental health and who are working hard to help be of support. Um, so my guest this week is the lovely Alejandro. Did I pronounce that right? Alejandro, I'll say it again, I like it. Alejandro Saunders, who is the Chief Scientific Officer at Umore. He's also a TEDx speaker. So check that out. He spoke at TEDx Glasgow um, when we talk about this in the episode. But You More is a mental well-being app and it's designed to help you get a better understanding of your own mental health um, and helping you to measure and track it over time. So lots of things to help us with the mojo. Um, they cover mental health measurement, mental health tracking, self-help evidence-based exercises to uplift the well-being so things like uh, cbt cognitive behavioral therapy mindfulness progressive muscle relaxation which is something i really need to use more for my little jaw and grinding my teeth when i get busy grinding that jaw um so progressive muscle relaxation is a really good one sleep hygiene breath work and positive psychology reflections they've already got over four and a half thousand users so for such a new app that is just fantastic and it's been great to speak to Alejandro um, about his research and about you know these amazing services that can help people who are waiting and obviously it's not as we said it's not in replace of therapy but it helps you know there's a lot we can do to help obviously things get really serious um medical help is always recommended and if you've ever been struggling please speak with a gp about that um but yeah i love chatting to him we do cut out a little bit <clears throat> the wi-fi was being naughty that night but i've edited it in um so just stick with us and um yeah and we end a song with dale dale they like come and I want to go home um, So yeah, really lovely to chat And let's share this conversation now guys I will be seeing you after a wee break Mojo Injection will be back We'll be back with a bang And um, take care of yourselves You can check out in the meantime any blogs I'm doing at mummyjojo.com I'm also posting more regular content up on my YouTube at Jojo Fraser Lots of wild swimming and just things that help with our mojo So you can check in there or get me on social at Jojo Fraser Mojo Thank you and if you want to connect um, I've got all the details about the app in the show notes All my love, let's do it, let's jump in Okay, Alejandro, welcome to Time for a Mojo Injection. Thank you so much. I've been, I've been waiting for a while, but I'm ready to get one now. 
Oh, no pressure. I'll get the motor injection fired up. Woo -woo. So it has to be better than the last injection I got for, for COVID. So oh, believe me, no pressure at all. Goodness, right. I'm sure we can do that. That's that's not <laughs> that's not too hard. So I I'm really excited to hear more about you. And you know, you've clearly got passion for mental health, health, you've developed this amazing app. Um, so tell me a little bit about where this passion came from and how you got into this industry and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. So um, for me personally, my mental health journey began uh, when I was 12. I was very much unaware of exactly what mental health was. I probably wouldn't be able to define it if, if I was given that term at age 12. Um, but when I was young, uh, my mum, she was battling with depression. And um, it was something which, of course, as a kid, you see and you think it's oh maybe, you know, just a state of low mood because emotions are transient. Um, but I wasn't really able to recognize that for her, it was this sustained period of, of low mood. And um, well, eventually for my mum, she, she really struggled with it. And ultimately, um, she died by suicide. And for me, um, it, was, it was quite a shock to, to of course, start to, to grapple with that at a young age. And since then, I've, I've been really passionate about mental health as a whole and how we can focus on the right preventative measures and the right sort of psychoeducation that we can deliver uh, to people all over the world, regardless of their income or their background, to make sure that we can really educate people on the topic and how we can really put those preventative measures in place. So for me personally, that's where my development um, throughout psychology has come from and why I decided to study at university and why I'm working on, on mental health uh, solutions now. Wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, you know, it's just, it's really tough to, to have gone through something like that at, at that age. I mean, what sort of support did you have to try and sort of process all of that? Yeah, well, I had a really fantastic father. He's unbelievable um, and also a really awesome brother and, and family. These sorts of support networks are super key, uh, you know, of course, to, to be able to uh, grieve properly and then also to support each other thereafter. Um, and that's something which I think we, we really need to uh, rely on and, and focus on. There are so many children all across the country that lose parents at an early age from deaths of despair, you know, such as those from suicide or um, alcohol poisoning or drug overdoses. And they can be so sudden and unexpected. And when that happens, you need a real solid rock like family to help you get through it. Family or really strong friends, loved ones in general. Yeah, I think having that support system is just is so key and, you know, and well done to you for all the work that you've done. Um, I mean, co pulling all your research together and then deciding to launch this app. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. So um, the, the app, Umol, came about uh, a little later down the line. It came about in April of last year where we were basically at the height of the first wave of the uh, coronavirus pandemic as it was hitting us in the UK. And there are a lot of lockdown restrictions coming into place. And there's this organization called Techstars that would put on these events called Startup Weekends. And essentially how they work is uh, an entrepreneurs from the local area come together and they have 48 hours to work on a startup idea. And from there, you're basically meant to start up this business take it as far as you can and then present your panel of judges at the end of the weekend and they then pick the best winner. And I met a really fantastic uh, group of people there who I currently still work with now. And we basically modeled this idea of the app and we ended up winning the, the national UK competition. 
So from there, we uh, we said, hey, let's let's keep working on this. And the reason was because a lot of people at the time were living in isolation, and they didn't have these support groups as we were just talking about, uh, with, you know, within their within their homes. And you know, it's very difficult to really being able to connect with people in, in those times. So the concept of the app was a app that was capable of measuring and also helping you track your well-being so that you were in touch with it, but also allowing you to share that with others so that everyone would be able to just log into the app and then understand how each other is doing. And you could essentially be more up to date with your, with your loved ones in that way. And um, since then, the concept of the app has, of course, evolved over time. But uh, we're really happy to now be helping um, four and a half thousand active users, and everything we're doing is is just trying to help them become more motivated and more empowered to be able to measure their mental health and track it as well. That's such a good idea, and you know it kind of makes it more accessible for people, and just you know being able to really put that information out there. How did you decide on the kind of key sections? Then was this this come from a lot of the research and and obviously the the studying that you were doing at university? Yeah, definitely. So I'll start by outlining essentially what are the three main pillars of the app. The first of which is that of measurement. So we use a series of scientific surveys that measure different constructs of mental health uh, in a very easy way. And from there, our users can essentially respond to these questionnaires and receive a score, which helps them understand, for example, their level of stress. Beyond that, we also uh, have features to help them track that over time and see on a graph how that score changes. And that's the second pillar, that of tracking. And you can see that on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. So you can start to pick up on one of the times maybe that you're getting more stressed out. And from there, you know, you can understand one um, of the times in which you might want to self-care in order to, to be able to protect against that. And then the third pillar is that of um, actually being able to provide some of these self-care strategies. We have a library of different exercises that are all uh, self-care exercises based off of psychological evidence. And these draw from components of, of mindfulness, of sleep hygiene, of cognitive behavioral therapy, and they're all there to be able to help us live our happiest and healthiest lives. And Is there an area that's more popular? You see, have you seen any kind of key patterns that people are going to perhaps sleep hygiene or they're going to mindfulness or is there a kind of leader there? I think um, in terms of what we see in, in the market, mindfulness is definitely the leader. We see apps like Headspace and Calm with millions of users, tens of millions of users, all of whom are really loving mindfulness. And that's really fantastic. It's gone from a uh, Eastern philosophy, which didn't really get used too much uh, in the West to something which now has really caught fire and a lot of people are using it to really uplift their health. And you know that, that's really awesome. Um, but really, I think it depends on you and it depends on what you like to engage with when it comes to self-care to really find what is most efficient. Some people don't really like mindfulness too much because um, they may find it difficult to concentrate for long periods of time and that's really okay. And then if that's the case, perhaps you might want to engage with progressive muscle relaxation, which is also a relaxing activity. I quite, it sounds quite nice actually. I could do it. You can do that doesn't require such a focus on, on concentration. <laughs> well, after this, Jojo, you and I can do an activity together to de-stress at the end of the podcast. <laughs> that sounds lovely. I, I sometimes find if I'm having a really busy day and I'm rushing around, I start to grind my teeth and grind my jaw. Mm -hmm. 
I think that seems to be a common problem for lots of people. So. Yeah, then, then maybe progressive muscle relaxation could be for you. Um, I, I think you, the point of progressive muscle relaxation is, is to be able to relieve tension within the body where you're carrying your stress. And there are a series of, of evidence-based exercises focused on facial muscles and jaw muscles. And we carry so much tension in our jaw. I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I realize when I sort of massage the lower parts of my jaw that it is super tense as well. So maybe a, a little bit of PMR could be nice. That sounds nice. And it was hard for people because they couldn't go for massages and things with COVID. And that's such a good thing to do, you know, get the the knots unwound. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think in, in my opinion, a, a little bit of both is ideal. Massages, I'm not sure if there is too much research into seeing how massages can help support um, you know, mental health. But I think if you can combine things such as massaging, going for walks, taking baths, things that make you feel really good with a little bit of evidence-based support as well. Um, potentially that might be seeing a counselor where you can engage with a um, sort of spoken cognitive behavioral therapy or a little bit of mindfulness. I think when we can combine both of these spheres together into our one big picture of health promoting activities, we feel the happiest and the healthiest. Yeah, absolutely. What is your favorite way to unwind and sort of protect your mojo? I love going for walks. Uh, as I mentioned, long walks in the park, especially now in the summertime, the, the nights are much longer. So I really like it when it starts getting a little bit cool, you know, and you can walk around uh, in the sun. But in terms of evidence-based self-care, I really like mindfulness. I like to be able to take time, especially when I feel like um, I'm finding it a little bit difficult to think, to actually detach myself from my thinking and to try and not think and to try and just sit with that feeling of inaction is really good to, to, to be able to, to calm down for me. And um, yeah, I would say mindfulness is my number one. Yeah, it is powerful, right? When you can kind of take control and just, or observe the thoughts and let them pass by and just, you know, drop the pressure a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think your point of taking control is a really important one when it comes to mindfulness because we assume that a lot of the time our bodies are really what is in control you know i can extend my arm and i can grab a glass of water with my hands but all of that is is a is, is a is an illusion that is coming from everything that is generated within the brain and for me personally i really got into mindfulness a couple of years ago and what it taught me was the relationship that i have with my own brain being able to understand my own thoughts and how a lot of the perception of reality has all come from that. So to, to really understand how to control that is, is, is a really handy thing to be able to, to, to do. It will take years, though, to anyone who becomes enlightened, has dedicated you know, their life to, to really trying to become mindful. Um, so it's, we're, we're very much at the start of that process for me anyway. Yeah, it's a lot, you know, self-awareness, you know, and, and trying to sort of... Yeah. But sometimes do you think we can overthink things trying to work out, you know, when you become aware of your thoughts or perhaps obsessive thoughts or different behavioral patterns, do you think we can overthink them? Possibly. I've heard that um, individuals who are prone to rumination, that's essentially uh, thinking and overthinking things uh, where you can find yourself in a negative spiral, a downward spiral where the thoughts become more and more stressful over time. Um, for individuals who do ruminate, it's not necessarily ideal to, to engage with things such as mindfulness, because like you said, it's not always the best to overthink. 
um, that, that sort of self-mastery of understanding our thoughts isn't always going to lead to positive ones. And this is where really it's, it's just about finding what has worked for us. Mindfulness isn't going to work for everyone, but then you might find that, um, you know, positive psychology activities are, or instead, um, you know, going for long walks or forest bathing is good for you. So it's just finding that, that right fit. Yeah, I think things like forest bathing, it's probably quite popular in America. Do you think we've got to catch up? I think we're, you know, there's more chat about tree hugging and really getting in there. But mm -hmm. we, we can be a little bit sort of sceptical in the UK. <laughs> yeah, I think the Americans can just pop on their trainers and go for a nice walk in the, in the sunny forest. But we have to put on our wellies, you know, and we have to brave the cold and the wet winters if we're going to walk through the forest or the park, you know, so maybe it's a, maybe it's a weather thing. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it is. Or it could just be the positive psychology in there as well, though, because when I worked and lived in America, you know, they were high-fiving me down the street and like, you can do anything and, you know, mm. all that really positive, um, you know, cultural stuff. But, but yeah, I love a bit of tree bathing myself and mm -hmm. uh, anything to release the mojo. Cold water, have you done any cold water immersion? I haven't actually. I've heard a little bit about the, the Wilhoff method, um, which I think it involves really needing to immerse yourself into, into cold water. And, um, but I've never actually engaged with that myself. Sometimes I, I try to have cold showers, but honestly, I, I enjoy the warm ones much more. <laughs> I had an ice cold shower earlier and it was just, it was after a run, tree forest bathing run, you know, an ice trail <laughs> run, got back, really hot day lovely cold shower and honestly i was buzzing after it i mean oh, really? i used quite a lot of cold water i was out at the reservoir yesterday morning and that's how i really released the mojo but i found today was the first time with a cold shower that i was like when i got out of the shower i was like Woohoo! you know i just really woke up the mojo you know i was just buzzing after it but i think you just have to go through the initial pain <laughs> <laughs> and then keep yeah. going keep going um so tell us about your ted talk because i know you spoke a lot about you know the behaviors and around mental health and how we really need to listen to people and um just yeah if, if people want to tune in and hear that yeah of course um so i was really fortunate to have been invited to, to give a tedx talk at the university of glasgow last year and the basis of the talk was about speaking the language of mental health and the idea is that when we learn French or when we learn German in school, we learn that there's a right way and a wrong way to speak. We learn that there is grammar involved, that there's syntax, and there are certain rules that we need to have in mind whenever we try and speak in French or German or Spanish or whatever you learned in school. But it's not really the same with mental health. You know, a lot of the time, the language that we can use can be quite weaponized or it can be quite stigmatized. It can prompt shame in others. And it's really important to make sure that when we are speaking about mental health, especially in public, we do it in a way that is going to help uplift others and help destigmify in general. So the talk was around this. How can we have this idea of linguistics when approaching the topic of mental health in order to increase awareness and decrease stigma about the topic? It's a really good, uh, really good subject, actually, and, and so important, right? I mean, if you come across a lot of stigma yourself. 
sorry if, if I had come across a lot of stigma myself yeah have you seen a lot of kind of it, it's sort of scenarios where someone you know in your research where people have felt that kind of shame or they've just not been able to talk openly yeah of course um personal conversations with a lot of friends who have been going through mental health challenges um it, it's really clear that I think there is something where it becomes very difficult to almost accept a label to say, oh, I am feeling anxious or I am depressed right now, um, whereby we you know, are scared to speak of it because we don't really want to feel as if we are labeled as such. And, and certainly I, I think no one is excluded from that. I don't think that anyone is 100%, um, so how shall I say this? I don't think anyone is, is fully devoid of feeling destigmatized because it is something that we're working through societally and there are growing pains in doing so. But thankfully the conversation is really opening up and especially after the onset of COVID-19, so many of us did undergo these sorts of mental health challenges because of the loneliness, because of the uncertainty and one of the really positive things to come out of. If I just cut out a little bit there, but what he was saying is one of the most positive things to come out of COVID is the fact that we are having to talk about mental health more. Let's just jump into the end of the interview now. Mwah. So I, I often say to people, you know, music is a great, great way to release the mojo. Um, do you have a song for people? What song helps you to wake your mojo up? <laughs> good question. Good question. Um, there's many. I, I, I don't know. I think one that I love, which is on my, um, my Good Morning playlist, is uh, Deo, the Banana Boat song. Oh, yeah. Do you want to Are you give familiar us, with the one that, that I'm talking about? Do you want to give us a little quick, uh, sort a little few couple of lines? <laughs> I'll do it if, if we do call and response. <laughs> so it's Deo. Deo. Daylight comes and we want to go home. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for your time. and. Um, Keep spreading the mojo. I'll put details about the app in the show notes so people can check that out and also your TEDx so they can look at that too. But keep inspiring and keep up the amazing work. No, thank you. Thank you, Jojo. And thank you for this mojo injection. I think I'll go without coffee today. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh man, I want to go home. Stop banana until the morning come. Daylight come and me wanna go home. Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and me wanna go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and me wanna go home. All the love, guys. Oh! Daylight come and me wanna go home. Say, Daylight come and me wanna go home. Daylight come and me wanna go home. I'll be back here, my second home soon, guys. Look out for series four. Can't wait to be back. But until then, be kind to yourselves. Mm, and I wanna go home.